Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 197 called Jess. Today's episode is sponsored by Prove, a women's health company dedicated to providing information, proactive fertility testing, and support so they can reach their goals faster. When Prove founder and PhD scientist Amy was trying to get pregnant, she suffered miscarriage after miscarriage, and no test or doctor could explain why. She ultimately turned to IVF to have her son. It was only after she uncovered the source of her troubles, a problem with ovulation, that she successfully conceived, this time only needing a simple, inexpensive supplement. She then set out to create an accurate, effective diagnostic to empower women to test at home. Did you know that ovulation is more than a yes or a no? In fact, it's possible to release an egg, but still not have enough progesterone, the hormone released after ovulation, to support implantation. Prove measures a hormone released after ovulation called PDG that supports implantation in pregnancy and tracks this hormone during the implantation window. A clinical study showed that sustained elevated PDG levels during the implantation window was associated with a 75% increase in successful pregnancies. If Prove testing kits uncover potential issues, the fix can be simple. Prove can also support you with further resources from science-backed supplements to connections with fertility doctors. Prove is truly a game-changing innovation for those battling infertility. So check out Prove, which is spelled P-R-O-O-V. My favorite part is that they're giving Infertile AF listeners a special discount code. So go to ProveTest, that's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T dot com, enter the code Alley 25 and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. Again, that's ProveTest.com. Use code Alley A-L-I-2-5, and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. Thanks, Prove. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. Okay, so today I am talking to a dear friend of mine who I met through Instagram. Her name is Jess Feet, and she is an IVF warrior, an advocate, and now mama to her rainbow baby, whose nickname is Sunny. You probably know her from Instagram at One Sunny Story. That's where everybody follows her. Her content is really great and authentic and real. And today she's going to tell us how she got here, including the nine years of family building, six IUIs, six FETs, and her one miracle baby. And she's also going to tell us what is happening next in her family building journey. So some big news at the end. Definitely stick around. Stay tuned for that. I always love talking to her. She's just really fucking cool. So without further ado, this is Jess's infertility story. 
Oh my gosh, Jess, I have been wanting to do this particular episode with you for so long and I'm so happy we're finally doing it. I am too. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. Thank you for doing this. So we've known each other for a while just through Instagram and stuff, but I feel like I know you and I definitely consider you a friend not to sound weird. I hope you feel the same. You know, I feel uh, the same way, girl. (laughs) But you're just one of these people that like has always been so supportive. You've always like reached out and vice versa. Like I followed your story. I feel like this bond, you know, that bond that we always talk about that, you know, you don't even have to meet people in real life, but I've always felt that way with you. So totally thank you for doing this. And let's just start at the beginning as I usually do and ask, did you always want to be a mom? Oh my gosh. Yes. You remember like in school when they would like go around the class and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody's like, I want to be a nurse or a flight attendant or the president. I always was like, I want to be a mom. Like that's Mm -hmm. all I want to do. I come from a family of six. I'm the oldest of six. So my mom is like, she's my idol. Like just watching her, you know, raise all of us kids. Like that's what I wanted to do. Like that was my dream. And you know, years and years later, finally being here in 2022 and having a son and being a mom and I work part-time from home. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I couldn't ask for more. So living the dream for sure. Finally. (laughs) Yes. So there was a long road to get to where you are today and we will get into all that. But before we do that, tell me about like sex education for you growing up. What did you know about your body? What did you know about fertility? What did you know about like reproduction? You know, we talk about this a lot and that's, it's a common thing that not many people knew much. So I'd love to hear what you went through. A great opening question. Um, Honestly, in school, like we had the sex education class where you put the condom on the banana. I was like (laughs) (laughs) sometime in high school, um, sex was really, really bad. Like we didn't talk about it. Don't even look at a boy. Don't kiss a boy. Yeah. It it was not talked about. Um, I ended up getting on birth control. Like I want to say a year after having my period. And it wasn't because my parents, you know, wanted me to not like, have sex, but they, uh, I had really bad, like painful periods when I was, as soon as they started, like, I just remember flooding and just being in bed, having to take Mm. days off of school. And so of course, like the OBs, like first line of defense was, Oh, let's put her on birth control. Totally. Oh my God. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have said that exact same thing. It's just like, go on the pill. And yeah. it, you know, it's like the band aid, and it does work for most people, but you don't really know what the underlying cause is and yeah. causes so many issues later in life, as what we all come to find out. Oh, for not, sure. I'm and not saying going on the pill causes issues. I'm saying not knowing yes. what's really going on with your body. Yeah, exactly. And it is, like you said, like a band aid. Like they didn't know, you know, I was so young and they just slapped the pill on me and I took it and it made me super hormonal and crazy. But I thought that that was like all normal. And now, you know, I'm sure, you know, before an FET cycle, a lot of OBs prescribe birth control. Mm -hmm. And now finally having an experience where I was pregnant, like it's wild, but I feel when I'm on birth control, like I'm pregnant, like I'm nauseous. I'm bloated, Mm -hmm. I'm hormonal, I'm weepy. And so, you know, back then when I was like a young girl, like I thought that that was just normal. normal. And I'm sure it was like a mixture of, you know, teen hormones too, but hundred percent. 
But yeah, yeah, as far as sex education, there was not a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I think that is changing now. You know, right. there's a yeah. lot of good books out there and there's a lot of advocates out there who are trying to change the narrative and, you know, at least touch on fertility and touch on, yeah. you know, these, you don't have to get deep into it, obviously, but the scared straight, like tactic that I had at least, which was just like, if you don't use protection, you're going to get knocked up and then you're a whore, yeah. you know, it's like, so yep. uh-huh. and yeah. everybody just thought it was really easy to get pregnant, I guess is the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like lately. And I don't know if it's because I'm more open about my journey, but it's so crazy and sad, but also humbling to see how many women go through it totally. and how many more women are talking about it. Like when I started, when we started trying to conceive, I didn't talk about it like at all. Like mm-hmm. it was between me and my husband. And that was the only two souls that knew about our struggles. And I mean, that's a really lonely world. So I'm thankful for platforms like this, you know, social media that Mm -hmm. and fertility rally, like you guys do such an Mm -hmm. incredible job in making people feel like they're a part of a community and seen and heard. And so thank you. And you've been a part of some of our really fun events too. So thank you for everything that you do and your social media as well has been really great. Tell me how you met your husband. Oh my gosh. We met at a concert. You guys are so cute, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. We met at a concert at Red Rocks. Sweet. Um, Yeah. And there were drugs and alcohol involved. What kind of drugs? (laughs) Acid. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about the alcohol. I just want to know what kind of drugs. We used to be pretty like hardcore festival goers. Okay. We've since settled down a lot, but um, yeah, I met him. He was this like he still is beautiful, but he was this beautiful, like redheaded, dready yeah. guy. And um, at Red Rocks, you're not allowed to do this anymore, but you used to be able to like climb the hill and hike behind the actual um, amphitheater. And mm-hmm. the sound from the concert would like funnel down and hit against the rocks. And it was like you were in the concert, but you, you can't see, you know, who's performing, but you could hear it. Yeah. So, especially uh, when you're like tripping your balls off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that, um, is where we met. We met in 2008 and we ended up, you know, hooking up and getting together soon after that. And we moved in together and like, I think 2010, and then we ended up getting married in 2014. So we've mm-hmm. been together for quite a while. Yeah. Um, Did you get married at Red Rocks? We got actually we got married right down the street from really? Red Rocks at this place called the Fort. It's um cool. It's yeah, it's a restaurant, but you can it overlooks like Red Rocks. Okay. Okay. So, that would be a sweet wedding. Oh my gosh. And we tried so hard to get married there, but Red Rocks didn't do like a lot of wedding venues back then. And now that's like all they do. So oh really? Like, I've oh, never bummer. been there. I it's on my list of places to oh, go. Oh Allie, you have to go. Yes. It is all right. It is like the most incredible thing. We're actually going this Thursday for uh, Tyler Ch- Childers. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh yeah, you got to look him up. He's, okay. He's in the same genre as like Chris Stapleton, like the okay. drivers. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a fertility rally. We always talk about the places we want to go and have events. Maybe we can do a Red Rocks, like <gasps> IRL. That would be so fun to go see a show. Please come to Colorado. Oh my yes. gosh. That would be so fun. That would be awesome. <clears throat> um, okay. So you guys got married. And then when did you guys, I'm sure you talked about family building before you got married. What was the 
state of mind? Were you guys on the same page? Did you want, you know, the same totally, size family? Yeah. So what did you yeah. guys cover? Yeah. So we started, um, trying to conceive 2013. That's when we like started talking about it and <clears throat> we kind of just like, you know, stopped using protection. I got off birth control. We didn't use condoms, like all of it. Mm-hmm. And we tried to do that for two years and nothing was happening. I was like, well, this is kind of weird. Maybe it's normal. Maybe it's not. So, and we were pretty open about like what we wanted, like Ryan, he comes from, it's him and his sister. Um, but he knows, you know, I came from a huge family and Mm -hmm. he knew I wanted, you know, a large family from the Mm -hmm. start. Yeah. So he knew where my heart was. He knew I wanted to be a mom and he was all about it. Um, and he still is. So, yeah. So we, you know, tried to conceive, nothing was happening. And then finally I went to my OBGYN and they did, you know, like the baseline test, like did an ultrasound and they were like, Oh, everything looks fine. And so they put me on Clomid and Mm -hmm. we did a bunch of like timed intercourse cycles for Mm -hmm. about a year. Okay. And nothing had happened, but I always remember being in my OB's office and they took out like that trigger shot you know, that goes in your ass. And they were like, okay, well, let's try this like as a Hail Mary for your last time before you go to a fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. And so we did a trigger shot and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like ovulate a ton and get pregnant with like triplets. It's going (laughs) to happen of multiples. Yeah. Uh And I just remember seeing that shot like, oh, hell no. And then, you know, obviously nothing happened. And then um, we ended up going to um, our first RE right after that. And this was somebody a friend had recommended. And Mm -hmm. I remember going in there with Ryan and we were like, you know, deer in headlights. Like we had no idea what to expect. And this guy like straight up was like a car salesman, Mm -hmm. like just talking about prices. Oh God. it, It was a horrible experience for like our first introduction into the fertility clinic world. Yeah. So it's so funny that you say that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but my husband said those same exact words when we went to our first clinic, Yeah. um, which we did end up going with, but he went, I went alone and then he went like separately to kind of suss it out. And he was like, "Uh uh-uh, don't like it. It was all about money. And it was all about, he's like, I felt like it was like a used car salesman. That wasn't my doctor who he was talking about, but it was whoever was handling the financial bit of it. And I remember him saying that. And I was like, this isn't like a money issue. This is like a baby issue. Like it was, we had such a disconnect because he had such a bad experience and they just like were focusing on the financials and the money and all that. Oh, it's, I mean, and for your first experience too, like that is, it's just terrible. Like I think some fertility clinics have gotten better with their bedside manners on how Mm -hmm. to approach couples, especially like brand new couples to the world. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it kind of jaded us. So we went back to my OB and was like, Hey, can you recommend somebody to us? And he ended up recommending us to somebody he went to school with. And, um, long story short, it was terrible, but we ended up spending almost two years with this doctor here in Denver. And we did, she didn't even do like a bunch of the baseline tests. Like she just was going off of what my OB said. And so we got there and she was like, okay, well let's start on IUIs. Like didn't even like test, like do a normal blood workup or thyroid workup or nothing. And I was like, okay, like, you know, when you start the process, you don't 
really know. And I had not talked about our journey. So I wasn't, I I didn't have anything to go off of. Like nobody Mm -hmm. was telling me like, Hey, maybe you should question this or whatnot. But Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we, we started with her and we ended up doing six IUIs, uh, which is crazy. Like way too many, like we should have stopped at like three. Yeah. And what was your state of mind? Like while you're going through this, like, how were you guys doing like emotionally Um, and mentally? It was like, it was so much. I was like, I cannot believe like how many shots we're having to do and how many pills and IUIs. I mean, going through that and then now having, you know, having gone through two retrievals and all the embryo transfers, like that was a, a walk in the park, but not to be insensitive because IUI is like, is very taxing and tolling totally. on your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the IUIs almost seemed like it was more drawn out because the two week wait was longer and mm-hmm. the whole process was like more of like a gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were, I mean, we were just kind of like steadfast, like going for it. We didn't really like stop to breathe. We just kept going and going and going. And then mm-hmm. after that last six IUI, I was like, okay, well, clearly this is not working and I don't want to keep doing IUIs. So we had talked about doing IVF, which was absolutely like terrifying. Like I remember when I started this journey, I was like, there's absolutely no way we'll ever have to do that. Cause I remember seeing like videos of women taking all these injections and all the, you know, retrievals and pills. And I was like, that is so crazy. I don't know how women do that, Mm -hmm. but we ended up doing it. Yeah. And did you have any friends who were going through it or anybody that you were close with? No, same. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I start, I opened up about our journey <clears throat> on social media. I want to say like a couple months into starting like IVF. Mm-hmm. And so we had had our egg retrieval and then I finally opened up to it. And <laughs> Blair was actually like one of my first Insta friends. Nice. And, yeah. And, uh, we like, you know, clicked and connected right away. And she was so supportive. And I was like, this is like a whole new world to me. Like, this is amazing. Other women are going through this. And so I just slowly like started sharing our journey and just like little tidbits here and there. My, my husband is very, he's a very private person. So there was like a lot of things where I, you know, obviously didn't share to be mindful of him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I still, you know, you know, walk that thin line with him because I don't want to overstep his privacy, but, um, right. But yeah, so we ended up doing, going back to that clinic. So we ended up doing a retrieval with them. Didn't test our embryos because the doctor was like, you're so young and quote from her. Uh, she was saying that she said, we're so young that it would be a waste of time and money if we tested our embryos. Mm, okay. And this is the same doctor that you were with yeah. for the two years. Okay. Yeah. With all the IUIs in the IVF. And I was like, um, okay, well, you know, that was in a way like reassuring to me. Cause I was like, okay, cool. We're young. Like our embryos are great. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting eight embryos and I had, you know, this is the first time we've ever done any of this. So I was like letting her lead and trusting everything that she was doing. Right. And like I said, she didn't do any tests. We just did like the standard protocol as far as medication goes when we started our first embryo transfer. Uh So long story short, we ended up doing four embryo transfers with her in eight embryos during those 
transfers. So okay. our last transfer with her, we, I, I was like transfer the rest of my embryos. Cause I wanted to leave that clinic. So we yeah. transferred three. Wow. And my new RE who I have now, he was like, that is almost male practice. Like she absolutely should not, but come to find out our embryos, um, you know, they go through that collapsing and mm -hmm. expanding stage and that to help them stat, uh, hatch before the embryo is transferred into your uterus, uh -huh. like a normal process. Well, we found out through email and fighting with this doctor, um, a couple months after we left that they were completely collapsed at the time of transfer. And they had been for hours. And so essentially they weren't living. Oh my this God. Had happened during two of our transfers. So probably Whoa. like half of our embryos, she had transferred, not living embryos. How did you find that out? <sighs> Cause I had emailed her. We were going back is wrong. Like, I, I mean, I'm not even getting a slight beta, like the embryos aren't uh, attaching it all. And she had said failed implantation, I guess. Yeah. Like that's implant, what she was, yeah, repeat implantation failure yes, maybe. Yes. Okay. And that's what she was chalking it up to. And I was like, no, it seems like it's more. And then I was like, can you talk to your embryologist? Like, get me some stats. Like, I want to know, I want photos. I want to know how the, the state of the embryos once you transfer them. And then she ended up sending me an email explaining to me the whole collapse and expansion and they were collapsed for multiple hours leading her to think that they were deceased. And so she ended up doing my last transfer for free. And I think that she was kind of terrified that we were going to try to like pursue legal action against her. Cause I have, you know, in an email saying that she transferred dead embryos, <laughs> obviously wow. my heart was not there. I could not go back there. I couldn't do it. So we ended up just leaving. Uh -huh. And just wiping our hands clean of this clinic. Um, we ended up taking like a half a year off and we went to Kauai and just tried to reconnect because I felt like, you know, mentally we were just beaten down and having to start the whole process over was terrifying. Yes. So, yeah. So, so a couple questions just to yeah. put this in like, like context. How old were you at this point when you took the break and went to Hawaii and how long had you, like how long all in had you been going at this? I was, oh my gosh, what was I? It was in 2018 Okay, that we had started with her. Mm -hmm. I'm 30, I'm going to be 36. I mean, I met my husband when I turned 21. Right. You know, so young, young, young. I, yeah. Yeah. And I should, I think we, I was like 27, I want to say when we had started this whole process. So okay. I didn't know much. And like I said before, like, I wish I had opened up about, you know, our struggles and our journey a little bit more just so I can, I was just so I could have been more educated and know like the red flags and know what to ask. And, but at yeah. the same time, it's, it's scary. Like not everyone feels comfortable about opening up about such a, you know, personal situation completely. And as we always say, like, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, well, you exactly. don't even know what to ask. Cause you don't even know what world you're in at this right. point, you know, like it's, there's so many little intricacies and little terms and aspects and procedures and tests. And, oh my God, there's so much. I still, there's... even I'm like so immersed in this world, as you know, you know, we do these fertility rally groups every Wednesday night for 90 minutes. And 
I'm still like, not sure what some things are and I have to yeah. Google them. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I'm still learning and I'm still trying to keep it all straight. Cause it's, everybody's so different. And so I, I totally feel how you felt that way. Yeah. Well, and the science is changing daily, you right. know, and they're becoming more equipped and I mean, the whole fertility world is just, it's ever evolving. So yeah, it, it's insane, but yeah. So we ended up taking some time off, um, which we both really, really needed. And my sister had worked with a girl who w- went through IVF, got pregnant and had a similar experience with like a past RE like we did. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Hey, my friend said, go to this clinic. It's out, you know, it's about a half an hour from you. And their results are really good. The doctor's bedside manners are really great. And I was like, cool, (laughs) sign me up. And so you're like, what's that good bedside manner? I have not had that yet. I know. And we ended up having our first meeting with, um, our doctor at conceptions out here in Colorado in 2019. And I mean, immediately me and Ryan were like, we felt like we were surrounded by family. Like it was just, I mean, we were crying happy tears, both of us. Like uh-huh. we were just so excited to feel that we were seen and heard yeah. and protected. And, you know, he only wanted the best. He, uh, he knew what our goal was and that was his goal. I so, love that. So you felt like finally you're on a team and you're not like yeah. with some ding dong that doesn't know what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> Well, and that was the thing, like I had started to do my own research and I had asked our old doctor, I was like, Hey, what about intralipids or, Hey, I think my thyroid's messed up or Hey, this or that. And she shot down everything. Whereas this new doctor, he was like all for it. He was like, let's, you know, I'm listening to you and let's do it. Like if you, if your gut is telling you this, like, yes, I trust you and I stand by you. Yeah. So I think that's so important. Again, I'm sorry, interrupting again, but I think it's so important to note. And just for anybody listening, like this might be the first episode of my show that they're listening to. So, you know, I've said this before, but it's bears repeating that if you are going to a doctor or have a medical team that you don't feel like is seeing you or hearing you or taking what you have to bring to the table seriously, it doesn't have to be like that. Right. Exactly. I'm not saying it's so easy to switch. And sometimes you have to be with the doctor you're with because of insurance or location or whatever it may be. But if you have the option to poke around or even get like a telehealth referral or a consultation with somebody else, like just know that your doctor should be your teammate. And if it's not, and you don't feel like that, it doesn't have to be that way. I think I I didn't know that. I mean, I got really, really, I didn't either. And I loved my first doctor and, and it, you know, he was great, but had I not, you know, gotten along with, I wouldn't have known. Cause it's like, yeah, we're always taught doctors know everything. They're experts yes. and you're just the patient and you'd listen, you do what they say. And, you know, not that you have to defy them by any means, but if they're not working with you, I think it's really important to note that they should be. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And like you said, like I, with my first doctor, like I, I thought that's just how it was. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was supposed to obey her and shut Mm -hmm. my mouth and do what I was told. Yeah. And then later on now, years and years later, I'm like, Hey, I pay so much money for these, for their services. They work for you. (laughs) Exactly. I always tell my friend that because she's 
one of my friends is going through IVF right now that I used to work with. And she was like, I feel like I'm annoying my nurse. Cause I keep emailing her. And I was like, you're paying her. Yeah. Like you pay her, like, do 100%. not feel annoyed. Don't feel like a nuisance. Like it, it's her job to help you. Yeah. And nobody's going to advocate better for yourself than you. So, exactly. you know, you have to ask those questions. It's hard. Exactly. Cause we've always been taught, like, just be good and shut yeah. your mouth, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's even harder when you're on all these hormones that make you just feel like sick and depleted and almost like worthless in a sense. Like I've tried really, really hard to like recondition my mind when I have to take fertility medications to be like, this isn't bad. Like this isn't a fuel. This is a medication that is helping me, you know, achieve our goal. That's really interesting. I always felt really insecure. Like it really fucked with my psyche. Yeah I, can, yeah, I can totally see that because I went through that too for a while. I like every time I, you know, I had only given my, I have only given myself three injections, mm-hmm. but Ryan, my husband, he's like the med man. Like he mm-hmm. took care of all that for me. <laughs> but I remember that when we first started, I was like, I felt like it was like poison going into my body. And it would like, like you said, it would really fuck with my head. Mm-hmm. And And it took me a long time to kind of like reframe my mind and be like, no, this is medication that is going to help me conceive a child. Right. It's something my body needs in order to do this. Yeah. I'm so So, glad you said that. That's really important. Yeah. 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 So So um, what happened next? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like we're going on all these tangents. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So we took, you know, a half year off and then we met with our new RE and we ended up jumping right into another IVS cycle after a bunch of tests. Like he did every test. We did a whole blood workup. Um, We did like an ERA, uh, SHG, an HSG. Like we did every single uterine test you could think of. He tested my thyroid, which was off the charts high. Mm. Um, whereas my, like, he was like, there's no way you could have ever gotten pregnant with this thyroid. So we got my thyroid under control. And then one of my like T4 in my thyroid came back super elevated and he, and I had really high natural killer cells, which we did intralipids for that. But his, my Ari's thought process was maybe my natural killer cells were attacking the embryos and not even giving them, you know, a fighting chance as soon as they were implanted. Uh huh. So we ended up doing, you know, a bunch of other medications to, uh, like I think onotrope, like some sort of human growth hormone and HCG, like everything before our transfer. And we ended up transferring in 2020 in January. And that was the first time we've, we ever got pregnant. I remember when the, and this was our first transfer at this new clinic, mm-hmm. but I remember when the nurse had called me to tell me my levels, I was like, are you sure you're calling the right patient? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. And so I, yeah, I just, I was totally. in such disbelief. Um, yeah, of course. Cause you've all you've known is heartbreak and loss. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, not, it not working up until that point. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, I mean, and everything we graduated from our fertility clinic, like that was a whole mixture of emotions because they were like my lifeline for so long. It was a very (laughs) (laughs) uneventful pregnancy, which I was happy about because, you know, leading up to this, it was failure after failure and, you know, road bump and 
it, it was hard, but yeah, we ended up having our son during the thick of COVID. Oh my gosh. So when was he <laughs> born? What in 2020, what month? Uh, October 17th. So okay. yeah. So he's going to be coming up on two here. And you know what we have in weeks. common? I have to say, um, and hopefully it's fine. Cause you you're on social media talking about yeah. your kid, but his name is Everett. And uh-huh. call him Sonny. And I have a daughter named Ever and a son named Sonny. <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew your son was Sonny, but I did not know your daughter was Ever. Yeah. I love so that. We are and, like so on the same wavelength about that. Oh I love gosh, it. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I call him Ever as a nickname, but Sonny, I, I wasn't announcing his name on social media when we were pregnant. And I always called him my sunshine. And then it like morphed yes. into Sonny. And so then when cute. he was born, you know sunny. Yes. Instead of sense. Yeah. I love the like organic nicknames. Cause I actually call my son buns more than I call him sunny sun buns. So he's like buns Buns. and it just like evolved, you know? So I get it. Yeah. I know. I love those little nicknames. I know I try. I was like nervous at first. I was like, I I want him to know his name is actually Everett and not sunny. So I like called him just Everett for a long time, but yeah, he, he now comes to comes like I didn't mean to him to sound like a dog, but <laughs> <laughs> he heals. Hey, I was a dog mom for many, many years. Yes. Uh, so is he going to yeah. stick with Sonny, like as his name, like in school and stuff? I don't know. Okay. I guess we'll, we'll let him decide. Yeah. But, but yeah, Aww. he ever, ever Sonny. Yeah. Wild. So tell me a little bit more about, um, if you don't mind, just pregnancy after infertility, just backtracking a little bit. Mm. Tell me uh, about that for you. Cause I know it's so anxiety ridden and it's, yeah. you know, really tough for a lot of people. What was your experience? I almost felt like I was living in someone else's body. Mm-hmm. Like it was such an outer body experience that I had such a hard time enjoying it because I was living in the future. I was like, I just need him to be here. I need yeah. him to be in my arms because I won't be able to function until he's right here with me. Totally. And so, it really robs you of some of those moments of joy, right? Yeah. Cause totally. you're just kind of wanting to get it over with and get to yeah. the good part and get to the safe part. Exactly. Yeah. Like I felt, I know a lot of women who, you know, go through infertility and they finally get pregnant. They almost have a sense of feeling like their baby is safer in, when the baby's in their belly. Mm-hmm. And whereas with me, it was, I did not feel safe with him in me. Like I wanted him to get here our side but yeah, it was a really wild feeling. And it, the timing was freaking bizarre because we had found out we were pregnant on February 7th. And then the whole world shut down soon mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. And so every single appointment that I went to, I was by myself. Like Ryan couldn't come to any of them. Yeah. So that was really hard because, That's you know, so hard. after so many years of trying to get to this place in this point, I had figured my, like my rock and my lifeline would be right by my side during like really fragile, high anxiety moments, but he wasn't, or he mm-hmm. couldn't be because of, you know, the pandemic. Um, right. but yeah, so that was really, it was really hard to like, just be pregnant and mm-hmm. enjoy every second. But I feel like when I, like my turning point was like 20 weeks. Like once I got halfway through the pregnancy and I started to feel him move, Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, Oh, this is really happening. So Mm -hmm. I would do like the little Doppler every night and listen to his heart. And yeah, just, just 
I I think I probably held my belly like all day. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment where the Doppler didn't work and you couldn't find it? Cause that's oh, always, yeah. I never had a Doppler. Cause I don't even know if they were like really widely available, you know, yeah. nine or not nine years ago, but seven years ago when I was pregnant. But, um, you know, I've talked to people who were like, I can't use it because I'm now I'm worried I'm not going to use it right. And then I'm going to freak uh-huh. out. And, you know, like it's tricky. Yeah. We had a rule actually, because there was one time where I had done it and I couldn't find the heartbeat. And I called Ryan, mm-hmm. my husband, like hysterical. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, new rule. I'm only, if we're going <laughs> to use it, I'm only the one who's allowed to use it. Mm-hmm. I love so, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, and he knew like exactly where to put it and his little heartbeat would pop up and then I'd be fine. And yeah, until the next day, you know, and I mean, every right. day was just it was, it was crazy. It was hard because it just felt like we had worked so hard to get to this moment and it, it, it didn't feel real, you know? Yeah. Uh huh. So, and then once we finally had him, I had a pretty long, I was induced because he was just not coming. I think I was like at 41 weeks and I had um, I have like a pretty small torso. So his legs were all the way pushed up in my ribs and I could barely like breathe at the end of my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I was just miserable. And my doctor's like, you know, we can induce. And so I ended up, you know, opting for that. And uh, I want to say it was like a th- two or three day. I kind of blocked it out two or three day process. And I, we went in on a Thursday and I finally had him on a Saturday morning. Okay. So it was really, really long Um, and it wasn't full of like magical instant connection. I was so fucked up on drugs, like because I had retained placenta Mm -hmm. when he was born. And so I had to go into surgery right immediately after he was born to try to get my placenta out, which was just a whole other nightmare, which, you know, uh, but yeah, it was. I so a complicated birth story that you know you don't need to get into yeah. that stuff if you don't want to, but or you can, I mean, but just yeah, I'm, just I'm so long, and good, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, it was just a really, um, I didn't expect that, you know. I thought I, I didn't have a doula, I didn't go to any classes because of COVID, I was terrified to leave the house to talk yeah. to anybody in person, which I know now I could have done virtually, but. I was not prepared and Ryan wasn't either. Like we, my OB was great, but you know, like your OB is only there for the birth. Like he wasn't there to like coach me through everything. And the nurses were great, but it was just, it was a whole other ball game that I was just, and I wanted my mom and sister to be in there for that Mm -hmm. reason, but they couldn't because of COVID. So Mm -hmm. it was just a very, yeah like traumatic experience, but also beautiful at the same time because right. he was finally here in my arms. Totally. But not what you were expecting, right? Isn't no. that funny? Like it never really turns out how you think it's going to be. I feel like. Yeah. 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 And it, like I said earlier, it took me a long time to like have that, you know, when you hear about that, like instant connection between mm-hmm. a mom and a baby and it's just like fireworks. And I didn't have that until we got home. Uh huh. When he was like three weeks old. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was just sitting on the couch and I was like, oh, just like this powerful feeling just like rushed over me. that like magical feeling happened about three weeks after mm-hmm. we got home after birth. Yeah. So, 
So yeah, it was crazy. But because of all my issues with retained placenta in birth, I ended up developing something called Asherman syndrome, Okay, which is uh, scarring. It's it's not similar to endometriosis, but people compare it to it because it's scarring of the uterus and mm-hmm. it's where your uterus essentially like fuses shut with scar tissue mm-hmm. um, because of so much trauma being okay. caused to it. Yeah. So last year I ended up having three surgeries uh, like DNCs and laparoscopy to remove it all. Was it painful? Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Because I wasn't bleeding every month, but I was, my body was trying to bleed. So I, I would bleed and almost bleed internally. Oh and my God. So, sorry. All the cramps and all the PMS symptoms, but my, the blood wasn't ever able to leave my body. So there's like nowhere for it to go. Right. Oh my God. That's intense. So you had to go through all these surgeries. How did that, how was like the recovery and how did you deal with that with a little one at home? That's so tricky. It was really hard. My mother-in-law came out to help. My mom helped. My sister helped. Ryan took a bunch of time off work, which was incredible. But my, I mean, the postpartum phase, you know, is pretty difficult to begin with. But now, you know, I was dealing with postpartum plus trying to heal Mm -hmm. um, from birth. So once all was said and done, it was my last surgery was in last year of November. Okay. So in 2021. So it took about a full year, you know, between breaks and healing and all that. Um, and because Asherman's is so rare, a lot of doctors were think that as soon as you get a surgery, you should rush into a transfer. If, if that's what you want, if you're trying to conceive. So we ended up doing a transfer in March and mentally I was not, you know, ready for it because yeah. I was still dealing with, you know, PTSD from birth. Like I didn't want anybody down in that region. Right. <laughs> of course. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience when we went back to the clinic yeah. because, you know, tell me what I, it was like. I thought it was going to be more like happy and like excited to be there, but there was so much resistance with my heart that I knew I shouldn't mm-hmm. have been there, but mm-hmm. I felt rushed like, cause we just had that surgery to clear up my uterus. And I was like, okay, we got to jump back into this. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I wish I would have just been like, nope, like I need to heal. Right. Whereas now we're going going to do another transfer later this year, early next year. And I I'm ready. I'm like excited. And this is the first time that I've felt hopeful and excited again. You okay. know? So can you talk about what happened in March? You did the transfer and. So we did the transfer and we did everything the same as we did for Sunny. Mm-hmm. And because we're like, it worked, like, let's just copy and paste. And, <laughs> and it's a good way to put it. Yeah. And we're like, you know, if it's not broken or let's not fix it. So let's just do everything exactly the same. And, um, I was on the same drugs. We repeated, you know, the SHG just to make sure I had no scarring, no scarring was showing in my uterus, which was great. And we did the transfer in March. I, it was weird with our transfer with Sunny. I had like looking at that embryo picture, I was like instantly connected. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is our baby. And when I held the embryo photo 
of our transfer in March, I felt nothing. I just, I almost didn't want to be there. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, this, this is too much. And a part of me felt like selfish. I didn't want to take away time from Sonny. He -hmm. was not even a year yet. Mm -hmm. And every person is ready at different times to introduce a sibling. But Mm -hmm. I know like deep down in my heart, I just wasn't ready. And I wish I would have listened to my, Mm. you know, gut, but living right. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, we did the transfer and then we got the dreaded call. Um, I didn't test early. I've never been an early tester. Like same. Yeah. (sighs) I just like hold on to hope like the last second. And, uh, yeah, we, we ended up getting the call and I just instantly knew by her voice, like I knew it was negative, but I think my beta was like below a four, it was like three point something. Uh So it sounds like, you know, in my eyes, the embryo tried to implant and then it just didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And I swear it was just too early. Like my uterus was still healing from surgeries and I, I had only had like one normal period since then, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this time going into, mm. this will be our seventh transfer. Okay. Um, I'm sorry that you went through all that in March. That's hard. Yeah, it was and that transfer was so much different. Like the feelings were like, because I know, I knew what that embryo could have turned into because of Sunny, you know, mm-hmm. like I I had never had anything to compare it to because our transfers previously were always failed. Like I mm-hmm. didn't have anything. I didn't even have a positive test to look at. So it hit on so many different levels and trying to just be strong and, you know, not completely lose it in front of Everett. Like that, that was hard. I remember reading him a book one night and it was talking about like, just continuing to be strong and shine through and, you know, climb those mountains. And I was bawling. He he just looked up at me and and Ryan was like, you know, at my feet, sitting there listening to me, read this book to Everett and, and Everett just looked up at me and like grabbed my face and was like kind of wiping my tears. And it was just, that was my like turning point. Like, okay, like I have to break free. Like I had my pity party. Like I have to be healthy and strong for him. I love those moments when you like, there's like a shift, right? Like something shifted Mm -hmm. and everything came together and the energy in that room right there was like, okay, it's time. Right. Yep. Yep. And I did, I just got the chills. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it was, it was wild. And then I didn't, you know, cry after that. I was just, I was like, okay, that's what I needed. And I was trying so hard to like bottle up all my emotions in front of Sunny. Like I didn't want him to see me hurt and he's so young, like he won't remember, but I didn't want him to feel like he didn't matter, you know? Of course. Yeah, I know. It's just those things are mom. It's like the mom guilt and the trying to, yeah. Trying to like sort it all out. And, um, but you're such a good mom, Jess, and he knows how strong you are. And like, you're setting such a good example for him just by going through everything you've been going through and with the resolve that you have, you know? Thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like when you're in the thick of it, like you, when you just want to grow your family so hard and you deal with all these obstacles, it's, you almost become like robotic. Like you just keep going and going and going, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So coming up on transfer number seven. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how are you feeling like right now about everything? I, well, I have um, my first uterine test tomorrow, which is the SHG, that saline ultrasound. And I'm like pumped. Like I'm excited. I'm really praying for like, you know, positive results. I hope no scarring came back Uh because that would just derail everything, which hopefully we don't hit that speed bump, but I'm excited. I ordered, um, you know, all my medications because we're doing a biopsy. I'm repeating our ERA. And then we're also doing this new test, which I'm totally unfamiliar with, but it's called Emma and Alice. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So they're going to test for like a bacterial overgrowth. And I forget what the other one is, maybe like inflammation. Do you know much about that test? I do. I mean, I never had them, but we, a lot of our fertility rally members have them and we talk about them a lot. So the Alice test is it, it detects bacteria Okay. And then the Emma test is, I think it's like the endometrial health. So like oh, okay. your, um, would that be like your uterine lining? Lining, yeah. Okay. okay. But <clears throat> if anybody's listening, we are, this is not a medical show. No. <laughs> Please <laughs> Google it yourself and do yes. some more research. But yes, there are two tests that are a newish, um, okay. but a lot of people have been doing them and getting some more information, which just helps you know, tweak the protocol and helps the doctor or the medical team be armed with even more information. So they know what to do and how to, how to treat you. So I think it's, it's great that they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm hopeful like for answers and we weren't going to repeat the ERA, that receptive test to kind of show like Mm -hmm. your fertile or your, uh, the best implantation window Mm -hmm. because we had done one in the past and it was receptive, Mm -hmm. but so much has changed. And I mean, especially after birth, like, or even for like an uterus that has not gone Mm -hmm. through a birth, I personally feel those tests should be repeated, you know? Yeah. Well, tell me what you said before we started recording, which I thought was so interesting about how you want to be treated. Like, do you remember? (laughs) Allie, what did I say? I'll I'll tell you. And then you can say yourself. 45 minutes ago. (laughs) You said you want to be treated like a new patient. Like you want to. Oh yeah. 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 That's what I told when I, when I went to our RE, when we had our, um, what the fuck appointment, you know, in March, I was like, okay, going forward, pretend I'm brand new, like pretend I'm a new patient. I went through a birth, a crappy, like um, healing process, like everything has changed in me. So don't look back at my records. Don't even look at my chart, like treat me like a brand new patient. Mm -hmm. So I think that's so important too, because you're right. A lot has changed, not only with your own body, but with medicine and with treatments and with these tests and all that. So it's good to, if anybody's spacing out transfers or even, um, retrievals or whatever procedures, it's good to kind of take a step back sometimes. Cause I know we oftentimes get these blinders on. It's like, just do the same thing, do the same yeah. thing, do what, and some right. doctors too are just like, I'm just going to do what I've always done, you know, right. but it's worth, you know, noting that every cycle is different. Totally. Yeah. And a lot can change for women in a couple months, you know, right. I mean, what do they say? Like it takes three months to whatever egg that you it takes like three months to produce a, a follicle. So that tells you right there, our bodies are changing. 
Yeah. Every three months. And I think things can also be different based on the time of the month and where you're at in your menstrual cycle and all that stuff. Like it's just, it's pretty wild. There's so many different factors. That's why we're always like, this is a crapshoot. Like it really is. Like at the end of the day, (laughs) it is one thing could help or one little thing could hinder. You never even really know what it is. Like that's why I also feel like there's some magic involved in all of this, that it's like the universe has to step in and be like, all right, it's going to work when it does work. It's a fucking miracle. Like it it is, it is, it absolutely 100% is even me and my husband and doctors are intervening and trying everything we can. It is still a miracle Mm -hmm. that this works. Even though my husband and my RE and everybody, God has intervened trying to get us pregnant. It's, it really does. It's, it's a miracle that he's here. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Jess. I love you, Jess. I always love talking to you. Thank you for doing that. Guys, follow her on Instagram at one sunny story. It's S-U-N-N-Y. And her content, like I said, is just is really great and authentic and raw. And she's very approachable if you have any questions or want to talk to her about anything she's been through. So definitely also big, exciting announcement about Fertility Rally. We're doing a Black Friday deal right now where we are offering one month free to new members. So we've never done this before, except when we very first launched. Um, We're bringing it back because we want people to see how incredible our support groups are and our Facebook groups. And we'd love to just keep it growing and going and support more people. So definitely check out our Instagram at Fertility Rally for the Black Friday code and special. And yeah, give us a shout if you guys are interested. If you have any questions, let me know. You can also always email me at infertilefstories at gmail, or you can DM me on Instagram at infertilefstories as well. But Fertility Rally, we always say it's the worst club with the best members, and we would love to support you there. So check it out. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.